You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast. The official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio Rica, being joined by the publisher of the Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how was your trip down to San Diego? <laughs> oh, you were there with me. <laughs> so, you know, it was, uh, you know, it's pretty nice to be in San Diego, but it's not nice to see the game play out the way that it did. Uh, so, I definitely enjoyed ourselves in San Diego, but um, up until the, the game, <laughs> which was uh, not terribly exciting nor uh, all that competitive for fresno state they only lost by 10 but uh, the aztecs seemed to have control for most of the night yeah that was a uh, one of those games where uh it was it was kind of i hate to say it but it was kind of hard to watch um fresno state really had no answer uh other than that one lone score that they had early on in the game um they just couldn't seem to to get things going uh, against the San Diego Aztec uh, defense uh really struggled um and just could not figure it out could not come up with an answer uh at all during this whole game um and it just seemed like uh Jorge Reina was all out of sorts in this game uh throwing at least I, I believe it was three interceptions in the game but he did not look sharp at all uh, throughout this whole game uh which it showed uh on the scoreboard you know is that kind of what you saw too there Jackson uh, Jorge just really couldn't couldn't get things uh, put together yeah, I mean, the Bulldogs only got 206 yards of total offense the whole night, and more than 25% of that came on his 153-yard pass to Zane Pope, which set up the Bulldogs' only score. Early on, it looked like that might be signs of good things to come, but it proved to be the anomaly of the game. You know, uh, besides that play, it was still pretty early in the game in the first quarter. I overheard uh, Cam Morrell next to me on the uh, radio broadcast talking about how uncomfortable Jorge Reina looked, and that was before... Uh, any of the interceptions were thrown, and uh, you know he was a pretty accurate read early on. It just seemed like the offensive line was not doing him very many favors. It's an offensive line that has survived a lot of injuries the past few weeks and made us really forget about all the injuries because um, you know, they've put up so many points about the last just about every Mountain West game, really. Uh, but especially the last few games, you're talking about losing Muti already out. Matt Smith was lost, and. Uh, Cyrus Tutelli's been off the field for the past couple of games, and the offense just kept rolling like it had never lost anyone. But uh, you could tell uh, against the uh, elite defense in the Mountain West that it was not a good matchup for the Bulldogs. It not only affected Reyna back uh, in the pocket, but it affected the running game. Ronnie Rivers, after a few hundred yarders, only went for 47 yards on 15 carries. So not a great day running the ball either. Uh, I will say... Um, you know, Reina on the night, 14 for 26, 136 yards, uh, not terribly different than some of the other quarterbacks that go against San Diego State. Nevada's quarterback put up similar numbers in a win over the Aztecs uh, the week prior. But the thing that kills you is the three interceptions, and all three of those were avoidable. Uh, the first two definitely were forced. Uh, the third one looked like he was trying to throw it away and didn't get enough on it. You know, those are all critical mistakes that you can't afford to have if you're a quarterback in that situation. Um, so, if you want to bl- lay any blame on Reyna, or I know he's been picked apart by the fan base throughout the course of the <laughs> season, but um, to me, those three interceptions were—I mean, obviously, anytime you throw three picks, it's not good. But 
I think given the circumstances, he was faring okay the rest of the game. But when you have those critical mistakes, which he's had critical mistakes in the past, most uh, importantly, the first two games, you know, you try to hope by game uh, 10 that you get beyond some of those and it continues to be a bit of a thorn in the side. But uh, do credit Reina's legs, uh, Coach Long, Rocky Long for San Diego State told media after the game that Fresno State's best offense was Jorge Reina scrambling. And that was the case. All three of Fresno State's third down conversions, they only went three for 12. All three of them were Reina running the ball after a broken play. And you talk about taking what the defense gives you. San Diego State had the had everything won at the line of scrimmage. They had things won in coverage. And basically the only thing they allowed was they didn't dedicate anyone to spy Reyna when plays broke down. And he did take advantage of that a few times. And that was really the only thing the offense was taking advantage of at that point. Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at it, uh, you know, most people aren't aware. Uh, Jackson and I are able to kind of, uh, you know, be around the team a little more than the than the average person, uh, and you could just tell on their faces how frustrated uh, this team has been. Um, and uh, I don't know Jackson, but it, it seems like there is an issue there when we're we're going now on multiple games where we're like they're not doing good on third down conversions. That's a concern. Um, this is now, I'd say, probably the third or fourth game in a row where they've had very little uh, third down conversions. Um, you know, they're at some points they're scoring a lot of points, but yet they're not converting on third down where it really matters. There's times where they need to convert those third downs and they're just not happening. A little bit of a concern to you that they're they're struggling to just get that ball, uh, you know, past uh, past that uh, that first down marker on third downs. Yeah, there's been some bad games this season, and it's been for a variety of reasons, too. Um, you know, the week prior against Utah State, the two third and ones to end the game, you convert either one of those, and you might be able to get out of there with a win, particularly the, the last one. They probably run out the clock if they convert that, and they were unable to do it. Um, you know, again, some of that comes down to the offensive line, breaking down that last play, uh, really uh, a poor execution by the O-line, and you shouldn't need that great execution to get the one yard, really, but... Um, that's kind of what it came down to. This previous game, I think it was more about what has plagued them in games past where you don't get enough yards on first and second, you take a sack, you get an incomplete pass, you get a penalty, and then it's third and long. And that's not something this team has done well converting all season. And especially when you get San Diego State's defense, that's going to make it uh, that much more difficult to try to convert on that. Um, so, you know, I think the the problems have been varied and wide across the the team but it's just one of the the many in the cocktail of of issues well i think the biggest issue and i i believe that you'll probably agree with this one for the bulldogs this season uh is mainly has been injuries uh this team pretty much has been decimated by injuries across the board uh when you when you break it down uh Fresno State is is really going through an injury bug this this year whereas last year they they stayed relatively uh injury free this year the exact opposite it seems like there's been an injury just gone throughout this whole team and there's no signs of it stopping anytime soon do you agree with that, Jackson? You see a lot of injuries that that's probably resulting to the record that they're having this year. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because before the season started, uh, I thought, you know, as long as they don't suffer injuries X, Y, and Z, this team's going to be okay <laughs> because uh, this team does not have the depth that last year's team had. 
Uh, I thought that they had many of the comparable starters. I mean, they brought back a lot. And I think uh, what I thought on paper before the season started and watching this team in practice, I thought that they plugged a lot of the starting holes pretty well, but that the second teamers weren't going to be there. And the thing to me that's interesting, I thought as long as they kept Reina healthy, as long as they kept Ronnie Rivers healthy, as long as they kept Michael Walker healthy, uh, as long as they kept guys like Jaron Bryan and Juju Hughes healthy, those are all guys that have stayed healthy. Uh, but just about everyone else around them has gone down, it feels like. Uh, Natane Muti, definitely the one you didn't want to have to afford there. But, I mean, I'm going to have an article out later this week, and I think there are around 15 season-ending injuries on the roster at this point. Some of those happened before the season even started. Uh, a lot of them have occurred over the course of the season. Even someone like Jasad Haynes, who goes down in week two, and we don't realize how serious it is where it's now uh, game 11 coming up and he's still not healthy. Uh, then you get to the San Diego State, you lose Jalen Cropper in the second quarter, and he comes back out and crutches, uh, just adding to the misery. Uh, they had three different offensive linemen get hurt throughout the course of the game in an offensive line that's already down, three to four starters going into that game. So it's just been one of those seasons, and... Like I was mentioning uh, earlier about the O-line, uh, I think this team has played just good enough to where uh, it doesn't look like a team decimated by injuries, but it may be kind of the, the underlying factor that's leading to a lot of losses by uh, 10 or less points when it's all said and done. Well, when you when you think about it, you look at this offensive line, there's no continuity going on. There's there's players who have never played with each other other than in practice. Uh, and then for it, what it seems like is you, every single game this season so far, at least one lineman has gone down throughout <laughs> that game. Uh, so it is very hard to keep that continuity up uh, when you, all of a sudden you're getting thrown another offensive lineman into the play. And, and then guess what? Everybody else around him has to try and figure out where to pick up the slack. Well, that can't be done throughout a season. It's just <laughs> it's difficult on offensive line and it shows the running game struggles. The uh, Jorge Reina is constantly pressured. I mean, it's the the offensive line has been a big factor, but then you start getting other players at other key positions start to go down. Jalen Cropper has been the heart and soul of this team so far this year. He goes down last game. That has got to be a concern going into this next game. Will he be available for this upcoming game? Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, seeing him on crutches on the sideline, it didn't look good. I've heard it may not be as devastating as one of those injuries might look, but uh, don't foresee him coming back within the next two weeks for sure. Uh, the bowl season is later this year, so if the Bulldogs do win the next two and get to a bowl, uh, maybe he'll be uh, potentially available, but uh, it doesn't look like they're going to have him to try to get those two wins. And uh, It's been interesting with that O-line. I think this past weekend was kind of the perfect storm where the previous four games, you're talking about 56 points, 31 points, 41 points, 35 points. Uh, I believe it was three Ronnie Rivers 100-yard games on the ground uh, playing against some pretty average to below-average defenses in the conference. You're talking Hawaii, uh, Utah State, Colorado State, UNLV, all teams that give up a lot. And um, then you suffer more injuries on the O-line and you go up against an elite defense like San Diego State. Uh, It was just kind of... uh, you know the combination of changing opponent and problems within your own O line with injuries uh, made to a pretty rough experience for the offense in San Diego. 
Now, I mean, we, we talked about it, heart and soul of the offense of Jalen Cropper, you know, who constantly is making plays. But then on a flip side, you have someone like Juju Hughes who goes down with uh, some sort of a back injury uh, during that game as well. He's another one that you probably have to keep an eye on for this upcoming game. Same type of scenario. Is he going to be questionable at the at the upcoming game? Yeah, so the, at least the good thing with Hughes was that he came back in the second half, which surprised me. He was definitely out after uh, that the injury occurred, and I believe it was the first quarter. He was had a big old back bandage on him uh, around his torso, and it did not look good, but he gutted it out in the second half. And so it does look like he may uh, – May come down to if he can manage, if he can go out there in the second half and or in the last two games and tough it out. If it's worth it, at four and six, we'll see. Uh, but it does look like it's at least an option where Cropper is probably you can probably rule him out. Yeah, so that you know things. Uh, if you think about it, these injuries are really starting to wreak havoc on Fresno State because as the season was going on, Cropper uh, was becoming more and more involved in the offense. Now they kind of have to go the other direction. They have to take plays out because Cropper's not going to be available. You just don't simply just plug another player into what Cropper was doing because. There is no one like Cropper. <laughs> uh, on the Bulldogs offense right now, there is no one like him. So the, to just plug someone in, it's going to be a little bit difficult to kind of get the same type of result. Um, but, you know, the Bulldogs are not – they didn't do themselves any favors. Do, do you kind of think back at the beginning of the season, facing up against a couple of teams like USC and, and Minnesota – that kind of wreaked havoc on some of the players um, conditionally. Do you think that kind of had a, a role in in how the season has progressed so far? Yeah, it might be more of the outcomes than the battle that occurred in the 120 plus minutes when you factor in the the Minnesota overtime. Um, you know, the the team they came out, they beat Sacramento State, and they beat New Mexico State the following two weeks, but they did not look as competitive in those wins than they did in the losses. They did not look as emotionally invested and they looked like they played down to their competition. And you, maybe that's just the case for mountain West play. They basically played up or down to whoever they've played. Um, you know, the San Diego state was ugly, but they only lost by 10. Um, the, their best win. They've only had one really convincing lopsided win against UNLV, uh, the Air Force game, even though that got ugly, the Bulldogs actually led at halftime. So it's been, you know, I think the emotions and the the shock of those two games probably hurt the Bulldogs down the road. But um, Coach Tedford even kind of talked about it in this press conference on Monday, thinking about is it better to lose by a score or get blown out? And he does, he kind of alluded to the fact that he thought this team's, that all the close losses have taken a toll on them. Uh, and that maybe it would be better if <laughs> some one of the one or two of those losses had been lopsided rather than not the heartbreaking ways that they've occurred. But um, yeah, this team. Then the additional part of it is that just about every game has come at a cost. Where USC and Minnesota, they had a chance to really start the season off with a bang, maybe even get in the top twenty-five, get a lot of uh, hype and, and recognition both within the fan base and nationally around the team. Um, really the only game that hasn't cost them anything is Air Force because all three of the next conference games that they lost after that, they were in a position where they controlled their own destiny in the Mountain West Conference to make it to the title game. 
and they lost in all three of those scenarios and they were fortunate to get the teams helped them to get back for extra opportunities but again all three of those losses really hurt them in the standings and it just you know if you were in the same side as Boise State and you lose a game and you're basically out of it then those losses maybe don't hurt you as much deep down when compared to the west this season where uh, they've had a lot of teams have had a whole lot of opportunities and it's really still up in the air for a couple teams. Let's just face it. The, the West is just a hot mess. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're just a hot mess this year. Mm. Um, and it, I, I'm, I feel, I feel bad for whoever comes out of the, uh, the West side to go face a, a team, probably going to be Boise state because, uh, they've pretty much been beating up on each other all season long. So by the time they get to Boise state, they're just going to be tired. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it's going to look. Um, but you know, with that last loss, now the Fresno State finds themselves in a very, uh, you know, very tough position now uh, because simply one more loss, they've essentially eliminated themselves out of bowl contention. Um, and uh, unless for some miraculous reason, there's not enough bowl teams, <laughs> which it can happen um, because there's. Uh, in my opinion, way too many bowl games. Uh, so um, it's you. You'd really hate to see a team that is, uh, you know, six and six or even um, five and seven go to a bowl game because it's just really, you know, what did they really do this year in order to validate a, a, even a, a shot at a bowl game? Uh, but that's the position that the Bulldogs fi- uh, find themselves in right now. They need to win the last two games uh, in order to even have a hope of making a bowl game. And first off, they're they're going to have to go, uh, you know, go through Nevada here at home at Bulldog Stadium, uh, another team that... Um, Pretty much, you know, Fresno State is favored to win, but that doesn't necessarily mean a thing. As we've noticed all season long, uh, even when the Bulldogs are favored to win, they keep that team in it or they lose to them. <laughs> and it's just been the trend this year. Um, but against a, a Nevada team that the previous week beat San Diego in San Diego. So this is not going to be a team that's just going to roll over and let the Bulldogs do what they want with them. Um, and I, I feel that Fresno State's going to have their hands full more than what we previous, previously thought uh, earlier on in the season. Do you see the same kind of a, uh, an outcome, Jackson? You see they're going to have more of their hands full uh, in this upcoming game. Yeah, you know, I left San Diego thinking... Bulldogs probably going to lose at home against Nevada. That's kind of the the thought process I took. Wolfpack beating the Aztecs the week before. You know, Fresno State not looking nearly as competitive in the same matchup. Um, but you know, Nevada's got a uh, kind of a weird season. <laughs> they've <laughs> they've lost games, including seventy seven to six at Oregon, fifty four to three against Hawaii, thirty six ten at Utah State, and thirty one three at Wyoming. And then you look at some of their wins. They beat San Jose State by three. They beat New Mexico by 11. They beat Weber State by six. And they beat UTEP by 16. And (laughs) you give them credit for beating San Diego State. And they got a game-winning field goal against Purdue. But other than those two games, uh, they haven't really done much to to make their resume worth much of anything, uh, whether it be a win or a loss. And so... I can kind of see why the Bulldogs are 14-point favorites. I don't know if I've ever seen a losing team favored over a winning team by two scores. I can't remember a, a situation in the, the Bulldogs' past where that's happened, at least. But, 
you know, Nevada, they're the last in the Mountain West in offense. I think that bodes well for Fresno State, uh, whose defense is struggling to stop just about anyone at this point. And uh, the Wolfpack are about middle of the road on defense, which should open things back up for the offense and give them an opportunity to do more what we saw the previous weeks. But I think for me, the biggest thing for the Bulldogs is really the emotions and their willingness to come out and play the way they have all season long, which has not been good enough in itself. And if they're still hanging their heads and kind of ready to pack the season in, um, they're not going to cover 14 points and they may not win at all. Yeah, so it's going to be one of those uh, it's going to be one of those weird games again. I hate saying it. Um but it, you know, I don't get a good feeling that the Bulldogs are going to to explode on offense and uh, by double digits. Uh, it, I believe it's going to be another close close game again. Um one that the Bulldogs could very well lose. Uh it's it's not it, not based on uh, you know how things have gone this season for the Bulldogs. It's more based on just uh, you know the the way this team's been decimated and and lost a lot of key players this season. That it's it's really difficult for them to get going. Uh, you just get that sense that that maybe the Bulldogs may be missing you know that one ingredient, some of the leadership that they lost when when some of these players left last season. I mean, let's face it. On offense, you had McMarion. He was he was the captain, and everyone knew it, uh, and everyone followed him. I haven't really seen that on offense this year for the Bulldogs. Uh, a leader that's really stepped up and and really taken the reins. Ha- have you, Jackson? Have you seen somebody kind of step out of the shadows and and really take control of this offense? Well, I think there's been a few games you can say you know, with. Reina, a lot of not no one's talking about how great of a passer he is, but just about everyone who hasn't totally wished him to to the bench has, <laughs> has uh, praised him for his grittiness and his toughness. And um, you've seen that against USC, where nothing was going for the offense except basically him grinding things out, running the ball, making something out of nothing. And the San Diego State game reminded me a lot of that previous trip to Southern California. Uh, not much going for the offense and him trying to kind of gut it out basically on his own in some aspects. And so from that aspect, I would say it was, it's was it been more about you know Reyna trying to carry rather than before where McMarion never really had to do that. Uh, the defense basically dominated, dominated just about every game, it seemed like, and McMarion just had to more so manage the offense and be the leader rather than carry that offense to a victory. Um, really the only game-winning kind of scenario was uh, the Mountain West Championship last year where uh, him, he connects with uh, Jared Rice for the first pass and then Ronnie Rivers on the run uh, wins the game. That was about the only scenario Fresno State had to convert in a situation like that where they did so successfully. Um, But uh, this year they haven't had that same kind of uh, leeway on offense. They've really had to shoot out and go blow for blow with opposing teams and uh, they just kind of, they haven't I mean they put up decent numbers but they haven't quite had the performances individually to put them over the top uh, we have not seen the ball get to Jared Rice uh, nearly enough as we thought it would uh, Rivers has been off and on kind of based on what the O-line has done in front of him and uh, the rest of the receivers unit uh, I mean no one over 500 yards it hasn't been any one player stepping up it's been kind of a committee there so um, it's been an offense that I, th- I think it's been productive aside from the San Diego State trip, but maybe doesn't have all that much of an identity still. 
Yeah, it's it, it's just something like you said the identity. It's just it's missing something right now. Uh, the way these bulldogs are looking, it just seems like they're a little flat. I mean, I don't know how to how else to say it. They just seem flat um, and emotionally. It, you just don't see it there. I, and maybe it's all those close losses that have really taken the toll on the players. And and the players are starting to feel it. Uh, I mean, we're late in the season. Uh, some of these uh, guys are probably just thinking, oh, God, let's just finish the last two games and go and, and call it a season. Uh, I, I, I get that. I mean, I understand that completely after what they've been through this season. Um, whether or not they can you know, put it together for another couple games to try and extend it for a third game at a bowl game is yet to be seen. I guess all those questions are going to be answered this this upcoming uh, Saturday because Jackson, if they don't win, pretty much that last game again, uh, that last game in Bulldog Stadium, that's it for them. And then the last game against San Jose State, that's their bowl game. Uh, and and let's face it, that usually turns into a bowl game in itself <laughs> against San Jose State. Kind of same consensus for you. Yeah, um, on the on the flip side, it could be you know, both Fresno State and San Jose State are four and six right now. Both are favored by at least a touchdown. <laughs> <laughs> San Jose State uh, goes to UNLV this weekend, so um, at least according to the the spread and the betting lines over in Vegas, both of those teams should win and be battling for a chance to be six and six in the final game. <laughs> oh, so I mean, it's. It's not the greatest uh, stakes, but at least there would be something there if it does turn out that way. Uh, and then you also have the added ingredient where the Mountain West already has seven bowl eligible teams. They don't have that many slots that are guaranteed, and so then it comes down to uh, how the rest of the bowl landscape shapes out. Um, if Fresno State or San Jose State gets the six wins, they may not still be guaranteed a bowl game, but it's definitely something they'll both be playing for. And really the only thing kind of rallying the Bulldogs around at this point, uh, sitting at four and six right now and having a lot of emotional losses along the way. Yeah, so it uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that even if they win the last two games that they're going to get into a bowl game because, like you said, there's already seven teams that are bowl eligible. Um, so by the time that game rolls around against San Jose State, there could be eight teams bowl eligible. And that's just in my opinion, that's way too many teams. Um, and it could end up being uh, like a similar scenario where it, you had two teams of the Mountain West face each other in a bowl game. You know, how exciting is that? I mean, two teams that normally see each other in a bowl game. You know, I wouldn't even pay money to, <laughs> to sleep through that game. So uh, that's just going to be something that's going to be kind of a wait and see how things go. But the way things are shaping out, it looks like Boise State right now is probably going to be a lock for that for that uh, mountain um, spot. Unless, uh, wait a minute, this week are they facing Utah State? Is that what's going on? Yeah, so Boise State still got to get through Utah State. And um, it gets interesting there because if Utah State does beat Boise State, uh, you'll probably have a three-way tie for first, and then it comes down to a variety of different tiebreakers oh, from there. It's going to be so. one of those. <laughs> but uh, the Broncos are the one team that's in the driver's seat. And for my money, I think Air Force is the best team in the Mountain Division right now. Uh, I think Boise State's been not playing their best ball as of late, and they've gotten a little bit fortunate with the schedule. Um, I think if they would have played Air Force or Hawaii, the couple of weeks where they lost to BYU and barely beat San Jose State without their starting quarterback, uh, that could have made for some interesting games. Same thing with Wyoming. They didn't have their quarterback, Sean Chambers. Uh, They fall to Boise State in overtime by three. So 
Uh, I think the Broncos have been a little bit fortunate, and uh, we'll see if they can pull it off against Utah State. And then on the west side, uh, San Diego State and Hawaii playing essentially for the West Division title this weekend. And it's funny because I think I kind of like Hawaii in that matchup head-to-head, but I think Hawaii might get run out by either Boise State or Air Force if they're to play those two in the championship game because they already have been in the regular season. But San Diego State, uh, who has not played either of those teams, might match up pretty well with their defense and have a chance to give the West another title. So this is going to be it's it's going to be one of those seasons. Uh, you just you can never guess what's going to happen uh here in the Mountain West this season. Um and it's just it's it's kind of a wait and see kind of a, a a season to see what's going to happen with those remaining teams, remaining games. Uh you know, you you definitely could potentially see uh Bulldogs out of a bowl game this season, something that uh you know, we weren't looking forward to we were trying to we were hoping that they would make a at least a, a bowl game this season after everything that they've gone through this season but the way things are shaking out it's looking more and more gloomy uh as far as their uh, outlook on getting into a bowl game uh but either way they need to win the next two games they face off against Nevada and Nevada on paper you know where do you where do you kind of see the this uh, Fresno State offense against this this Nevada defense? I believe you mentioned they were probably one of the the worst teams defensively. Um, yeah, defensively, they have been the second bottom half, about middle of the road kind of a defense. And um, the last two times they've been out, uh, they've done pretty well. They held, but against two of the worst offenses in the conference, they held San Diego State to thirteen. They held New Mexico to ten. Uh, Nevada does run a three-three-five scheme, not exactly like San Diego State's, but very similar in terms of the base defense. So the Bulldogs will be a little bit familiar playing those teams back-to-back. Um, but Nevada's had some really, really awful nights as well in conference play. Uh, again, giving up 54 to Hawaii. Uh, San Jose State, Utah State, and Wyoming all hit at least 30. And so you know, this does feel like a game where the Bulldogs offensively should – put up the kind of numbers they did the previous three weeks before San Diego State. We've where, said that before. Yeah, where they've, uh, they were on a pretty good roll there, scoring at least 30 points in conference play. But um, they may look a little bit different without Cropper, without a couple of the offensive linemen that may not be able to go, without um, you know anyone else that may even not make it by that point. And so that may hurt the Bulldogs a little bit. And um, – We'll see. Uh, I definitely think they'll put up a lot more than seven points. It'll be much more like the rest of the conference games have been uh, before San Diego State, but they may not have the same firepower or rhythm without some of their guys. Now, your overall um, thought that you were able to kind of uh, gauge where um, Coach uh, Tedford was at the weekly press conference this week. Uh, you had a chance to kind of see what he, you know, feel the temperature in the room, so to speak, on where he was with everything. What's your sense coming from from Coach Tedford? What uh, this upcoming game? Yeah, I mean, he stayed pretty level headed, and I think it's trickled down to the team in a lot of ways. They're you know, it's still a one game at a time team, whether they're twelve and zero or zero and twelve. They've pretty much kept the same demeanor, and I think Coach Tedford, you know, the fans may not care as much, but 
Coach Tedford, he said goal number one is to win the conference championship, and goal number two is to go to a bowl game. And so if you're four and six, goal number two is still alive. They're not going to make any crazy changes. Uh, they're not going to sit all the, the veterans and bring in new players to try to establish them or anything. They still feel like one of the goals they've set out for the last 11, 10, 11 months or so is still out there to get and they want to get to that bowl game, and especially for Coach Tedford because um, not only, I'm sure, it's one of the many bonuses in his contract if they reach there, but for him and his staff, that gives you 15 extra practices with a lot of young players on the Bulldogs that they can start looking ahead towards next season with. Yeah, so they they do have an incentive uh, to try to get into that bowl game, uh, mainly for developing players, uh, but you know, it could very well get to that position where they don't have that luxury you know, should they lose this game? Do you, you know, do you even entertain uh, the fact of playing some of these underclassmen? Uh, you know, keeping in mind that you can still use that red shirt rule. You know, because it'll only be one game. <laughs> mm. um, you know, technically they could play the whole game and still be able to redshirt. Is that something that you would even entertain if they should lose this upcoming game against Nevada? I would. I'm not sure if the team will. Um, they kind of got. Uh, an uncertain answer from Coach Tedford when I asked that question. And uh, part of it, he said, we may use that rule, but even more so out of necessity than trying to get guys experience because they do have some a rash of new injuries and they may need some of those players to step in and fill those roles the last two weeks that they haven't had to call on up until this point. Yeah, so that'll, that'll be interesting. I mean, uh, you, we may see some new faces this week uh, because of those injuries. Uh, because, uh, you know, with the new rule, uh, you can play up to four games uh, throughout the season and still redshirt. And you can use those throughout the season no matter when. Um, and now that there's only two games left, if they haven't even played yet, technically they can play the last two games and still be able to redshirt. So, uh, you know, would you be at all surprised to see uh, some new faces come in that we originally thought were going to, going to redshirt this season? I wouldn't, um, you know, they've traveled and suited up a lot of the guys that are in the freshman class. A lot of them dressed out for non-conference and they've kind of been sprinkled in throughout the last couple of weeks. I've seen walk-ons, uh, one guy, Matthew Sanchez, out of Clovis High, he was down in San Diego in uniform as if he was going to participate. Not a lot of other uh, guys in his shoes were there. Um, but this might be an opportunity where they might actually get in the game or they may dress out more of those guys. And uh, we'll see if that comes uh, to play out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it would be interesting to watch at least. Um, and, and the recruiting shouldn't uh, at all slow down at this upcoming game as well because, you know, we're, we're nearing that recruiting deadline. So they're going to try and bring in as many players as they can in the last the last game. Um, but, it, you know, we'll have to see just how many of those get invited. And again, how many people actually show up to the stadium after this last loss. Do you expect a big turnout for the Bulldogs this uh, this home game? I wouldn't expect too big of a crowd. Uh, they have sold a lot more season tickets this season, so the, I don't think the overall attendance number should be terribly bad, but um, should be a lot of empty seats, I would assume. Uh, even last year, when the Bulldogs were on their 12-2 and run, uh, they beat San Diego State to clinch the West Division title. I believe they had 33,000 in the stands for that game. And then the following weekend, they have senior night against San Jose State, and only 23,000, I believe, showed up for that one. So um, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see the low 20s for this one. Uh, butts in the seats might be worse than that. But 
Um, you know, hopefully people will show up. Uh, it's a senior night. These, this class of seniors, they're going to honor, I believe, 18 of them in this game. Uh, they've been through a lot. A lot of them were big parts of the Mountain West Championship last year and the big turnaround the year before that. And uh, it would be nice to send them off and uh, see if the Bulldogs can rally to get into a bowl game. Now, things are going to, uh, you know, it, with that many seniors graduating, that means that uh, there's going to be a, a big need for the young players to step up next season. This is going to relatively be a very young team next season, right, Jackson? Of uh, From what you see on the depth chart, uh, almost unrecognizable uh, to a lot of people, right? Yeah, you know, there's a lot less seniors this year than last. It was about 30 last year, and then, of course, a couple juniors left, and you had transfers, but um, there were a lot of walk-ons in that class class as well, and guys that maybe weren't the household names. Um, This class is smaller this season, but you see a lot more guys that are the main (laughs) players on the depth chart right now. Um, You go down the list, and there's a a lot of familiar names. Uh, I mean, Jared Rice. Jorge Reyna, uh, Juju Hughes, Jaron Bryant, Michael Walker. Um, you know, there's. It's going to be a, a big group of at least the main contributors of this team, and so that'll leave a lot of spots up for grabs next season. And um, we'll see how the, how well they're or how quick they're able to patch those. But you know, with all the injuries, it seems like this year's team has established a lot of depth going into next year, and we should see quite a few position battles within guys that have actually played compared to this past season where uh, you hadn't seen a lot of those guys in action and you were hoping that they were going to fill in adequately. Yeah, so it's going to be a relatively new team next season. Uh, you know, a lot of players this season who have been thrown in there by necessity uh, will give them a leg up for next season. Uh, but you know, all the all the different position battles are gonna gonna start to heat up, and who knows? We'll probably see some some uh, late transfers out there who want to want to go somewhere where they'll have an opportunity to start and Fresno state could be enticing to them, especially with Tedford at, as the head coach. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see a few, uh, a few transfers at the beginning of next season. So I would keep an eye out for that. Uh, but before we, before we uh, log off today, we're going to switch gears a little bit here uh, and now start talking about a little bit about basketball. Um, you're going to be heading up to Sacramento tomorrow uh, for Fresno state as they go and, uh, and play, uh, I believe it's a, a double, is, is it going to be a double header? Yeah, they're going to have, um, well, if you're listening to this uh, on a game day or later in the week, it'll have already happened, but um, Wednesday the Bulldogs will or have already <laughs> played uh, St. Mary's in the second end of a double header. Uh, UC Davis and Sacramento State will play before them. They're going to play in the Golden One Center in Sacramento where the Kings play, so should be a pretty neat experience for the Bulldogs, and uh, you know, St. Mark's Center is in that kind of tier of what you'd normally see as an NBA arena with the amount of seats, at least 16,000 kind of stadium concert venues, but um, they will get an actual NBA type of uh, experience when they go to Sacramento. Yeah. So, uh, you know, how the Bulldogs uh, are going to do up there are uh, really going to be, it's going to be interesting because they've been going through some growing pains this season so far, right, Jackson? A young team, relatively young, um, but with a lot of potential. Um, and, you know, what What are your thoughts on this basketball team now from the very little bit that you've been able to see so far? 
Yeah, Sunday I got to see them play uh, Cal State uh, San Bernardino, which was, you know, not your most competitive team on the schedule, but uh, it's a game that a young team with a lot of youth and a lot of inexperience could struggle in, or at least just come out slow or flat. Uh, that didn't happen. The Bulldogs did start out a little bit slow, but when you win 92 to 47, it's hard to complain too much about anything that happened there. And the Bulldogs were without their leading scorer, Jared Hyder. I, I mean, the, the young talent has been pretty impressive. I think the, um, you know, the structure is being built for a run down the road for coach Hudson and these young guys. But when you're talking about this immediate season, it's going to come down to the three seniors in my mind, and uh, that's where they've kind of struggled with this team so far in the, the short amount of games they've played. Uh, Noah Blackwell uh, was not available due to a, a suspension or some sort of team violation the first couple of games. Nate Grimes, basically their leading rebounder and second leading scorer right now, uh, he continues to get into foul trouble early, which is hurting the dogs. And New Williams has also suffered some injuries and uh, hasn't put up a whole lot of uh, numbers on the stat sheet. So, those three guys kind of need to carry this team, in my mind, if they're going to win games on the road and win uh, a lot of games in conference play. But it has been a very pleasant surprise to see Jared Hyder put up uh, 47 points over the course of two games against some competitive D1 opponents. And we'll see if some of the other freshmen can get a little more reliable as well. Aguirre Gao, sophomore wing, uh, he's been a nice uh, step up in his play compared to last season. So... I think the the pieces are coming together, but it's going to be a season where they're going to have some exciting wins and some head-scratching losses because of uh, so much youth, and uh, we'll see if the leadership will be lacking or if it'll be there or not. Yeah, so it it, it sounds like the, this is going to be one of those uh, up-and-down seasons for the Bulldogs as they try and figure things out uh, moving forward. Uh, but Jackson, any final thoughts on anything uh, that we talked about today? Yeah, just looking ahead towards uh, recruiting season because the Bulldogs still they only have five commits right now. We're almost in December, and so uh, things are going to get real interesting on the recruiting front. Uh, as you mentioned, it's kind of a double-edged sword for the Bulldogs where they want to get a lot of recruits in for this last game, but the atmosphere might be <laughs> the worst it's been all year, which is unfortunate timing. But you've got a lot of high school players that have either – um, they're either playing playoffs and they're not going to be available or their team's done already and they'll be happy to come out to Bulldog Stadium. So uh, we'll see who shows up and we'll have that those kinds of reports exclusive on the Park Board Insider Premium Board. And uh, again, recruiting will start to heat up. We've only got about a month till early signing day and it looks like we'll have a lot more fireworks in January and February as well. Uh, the Bulldogs really capped their recruiting classes in December the last two years, but uh, this one is going to be a much different cycle, and that's not exclusive to Fresno State. Uh, just about every Mountain West school is finding themselves in that boat right now. Yeah, so recruiting-wise, things are going to be interesting as the Bulldogs move forward to try and and, and get those last-minute uh, commitments uh, out there. It's It's going to be it's going to be tough, um, especially, you know, if, if they end up having a, a losing season. But uh, again, the last time the Bulldogs had a losing season when DeRuder was here, uh, a lot of players still bought into the system um, that uh, we didn't think otherwise was going to happen and uh, was able to kind of contribute to turning this team around. Uh, granted, the coach uh, 
uh, Tedford uh, did clean house when he, he showed up. Uh, he relatively cleaned house very quietly and got a lot of n- new blood in there with walk-ons and transfers and, and, and so and so forth. We'll, we'll see if that kind of happens again next season as he tries to try and get this team back on the winning path for the Bulldogs. But that being said, you can find Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. You can go over to our Facebook page and give it a like. Uh, and, of course, as always, head over to our BarkBoard.com and check out our premium subscriptions. You will not be disappointed. And for that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.